on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. OU stuff, we talk about true freshmen that can have a big impact this season and give a few notes from this weekend's scrimmage. And the National College Football Roundup, we talk about Casey Thompson and Quinn Ewers being named starters and the Big Ten media rights deal. And we finish up giving you our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right, our man Michael Hostie will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, August 22nd, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games, with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. Go gamble at Riverwind, people. It's fun. Go do it. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of August, visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now recording this Sunday night, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you're at it. Ted, how we doing, man? Fantastic. I cannot complain. It was an excellent weekend. We continue to get ever closer to football season, which is a great thing. So I uh, I have no complaints here. I I had quite the weekend. We will... <laughs> We'll get to that in winners and losers, but wanted wanted to get to the OU football stuff first, like we always do. And I, I did want to touch on the tailgating stuff really quickly because Teddy, it's it's safe to say your comments here on the podcast created quite uh, quite the stir. Yeah, and I think it is important to say that the tailgating decisions are not made by the athletic department from everything that we understand and that these decisions are made by a committee at the university that has quite a few academic people on it. So if people are still upset about it, which I know a lot of people are, you should direct your your comments to the university as opposed to the athletic department, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Um, I think we're all on the same page though. It maybe, maybe not totally clear on where to uh, channel the frustration, but I think we're all clear. We just want it to be an easy place to tailgate. 
an easy place to take your your family and friends to go watch an OU football game. That's it. That that is it. And ultimately, this is what I want, right? And the way that I have have put it to some people is, you know, we are we're going to continue to shed light on this uh, to make sure that it continues to get attention because ultimately when an opponent pulls up to Norman, when they're going down Lindsay street, I want them to roll up to the stadium and to look around and go, Oh shit. That's what I want. That's the effect. I want OU tailgating to have right that you, because there, there's a psychological component to pulling up to a stadium and going, Oh boy, that's a lot of people. Right. And this is, this is going to be a long day. This is going to be a long night. And that the example I always give is we went to Tallahassee in 2011 and pulled up to that stadium. And there were people everywhere. And it was like an 8 PM Eastern kickoff. And I remember on the bus, we we're like, Ooh, this is going to be loud guys. Right. It's going to be loud. Like you knew what was what by the atmosphere that was outside of the stadium. And that's all I want for OU football is for an opponent to pull up and go, Ooh, it's, it's going to be a long game boys. Like that's, that's what I want this to be. That's right. And it matters for everything. It matters for the opponent. It matters for your own team, feeling confident about the environment that they're in. But most importantly, it matters for recruiting. You know, there's recruits that are going to be there on game days, and uh, you want it to look like the best atmosphere in college football. That's that's what you got to have. We talk about it. We're gonna if we're gonna be the best, we're gonna act like we're the best. It's got to be across the board in every single aspect. That's it's it's that easy. It's that simple. It should be the easiest place in the entire state to go set up a tailgate to watch a football game. Shouldn't shouldn't be red tape everywhere. Uh, I'm with you. I will say, I reached out to some people. I think the South Oval is a perfect area for public tailgating. Right now, of course, you got to protect the flowers, Ted. You got to protect what are they? Mums. You got to protect the mums. A lot of yeah. money spent on the mums, <laughs> but that area, you know, with the seed sower and everything that everything north of that, yeah. In a perfect world, every Saturday, that would be a sea of OU fans. Yeah. what? what it, that can't be that hard, right? No. So that was my suggestion. I have no idea if anything will come, come of that. I have no idea if anything will materialize from that. But that seems like a good starting point. Now, of course, we all want there to be tailgating on Lindsay again. But the South Oval. That's a lot of space where a lot of people can fit. Whole lot. Totally agree. The point is, there's all kinds of areas that are easy and accessible and should be no problem setting up uh, setting up a tailgate. Now, the 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 most you know obvious part of it is you can't act like a total fool whenever you set up somewhere, right? That's how that's how things end up getting eliminated is when you go in, you destroy property, you leave a massive mess. Uh, it shouldn't be that that difficult to set up, have good time, 
you know, put all of your stuff away, throw your trash in a trash sack that you brought, whatever, just, you know, help, help keep it to where everyone can, can enjoy it and have fun. And it shouldn't be that big of a deal. Now, are we ever going to get there? I don't know. I would say yes, because I'm going to pound the hell out of the drum relentlessly until it happens. You would never do that. Yeah. <laughs> I will. <laughs> yeah, that uh that process started at the uh the OU radio team dinner. That uh, the the drum the drum was being beat. Uh unfortunately. I'm still around though. I haven't gotten a phone call yet. It may happen though. There you go. Well, hey, we will you know, we're going to have some actual football to talk about here pretty soon, but we will continue to try to to try to make a difference and to to help as many OU fans as we can. So, we're we're going to continue to talk about that, you know, when it when it comes up. Okay, before we get into some of the scrimmage notes, some unfortunate news for OU football. Brendan Walker ha- has uh, made the decision to retire. Now he's going to join the coaching staff as a defensive assistant, but this is a guy that, I mean, just had a bad back, man, just had back issues for the last couple of years. A young man that's got a very, very bright future ahead of him off the football field. Um, he's going to be a doctor, but I mean, just thinking back to a couple of years ago, a guy whose potential we were really excited about and me extra excited because he's a Bishop McGinnis guy. Like I am, but just we were so excited about what we were hearing about him. And then that first back injury happened. Guy was just never the same, man. Just really unfortunate. Yeah, back injuries are, are really difficult. Um, I can I can take a, a phenomenal athlete and turn him into just a, a very mortal human being really quickly. And, um, yeah, Brennan Walker, big, physical, incredibly intelligent guy. Uh, had had a ton of talent. Uh, I hate to see that, but you know, it's a it's a good smart decision by him. You know, some guys will just continue to press it and press it and press it, and you end up having an effect on your quality of life down the road. So smart by him. Um, you know, still trying to be a part of the team and and being around the program, which is awesome. But I know he's got some big goals, and I don't think there's any doubt that he's going to get there. Yeah, so, and, you know, you, you have a guy at that intelligence level, I bet you he's going to absorb a lot of football very quickly. Yeah. And, hell, maybe, no, if I am any example, sometimes you got plans to be a doctor and things change, right? So, That's right. hey, maybe he gets the coaching itch and and maybe he gets started in the in the coaching profession. We'll see. But, yeah, just a, a bummer, but, you know, I, I, I think that, Brennan Walker's going to be just fine in, in whatever he does in the future. But man, he was one of those guys. I was like, yes, another McGinnis yeah. guy. Here he we was go. promising early on, like whenever he first got on campus, um, you know, Odom was talking to me about it. I was like, he loved him. He thought he was going to be unbelievable. And, you know, had that injury, just couldn't ever get back and get over the hump. Yeah. All right. Let's talk a little bit about the scrimmage from over the weekend. So, we are we're starting to see some patterns, right? Team scrimmages, same guys keep popping up, you know, with the conversations that we're having. And 
at some point, man, we started, we, we got to start really paying attention to a couple of the names that are popping up. Marcus major keeps popping up. Tyler Guyton keeps popping up. So it's, it's one of those things you, you start thinking about some of these position battles or how the rotation is going to work at some of these key positions, man. Deshaun white is a name that keeps popping up. Mm-hmm. So it is, I mean, the, the good thing is sounds like got out of it healthy. That's probably the most important thing, but yes, some similar names continue to pop up, Ted. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's, uh, it's fascinating and you know, it's not just upperclassmen. There's young guys. Um, you know, we, we know about the young wide receivers whose, whose names continue to pop up, you know, speaking of Deshaun white, uh, I talked to Coach Venables last night. He was raving about Deshaun White, how good uh, he's done in camp, and you know how natural he is at that that Sam Backer cheetah spot. Whenever he's bumped out of the box, just has a really good feel for it. Is really fluid in space, and has uh, you know not only done really good job in the in the the pass defense, the the zone concepts that you have to be a part of there, but he's done a really good job in open field tackling. And, you know, you look at Deshaun White, that linebacker room is full of guys that are unbelievable athletes that test really well, that can absolutely fly. Deshaun White's not one of those guys. And so it's, it's, it's strange to, to one degree to hear how, how great he's done out in space because you're as isolated. That's usually where the athleticism comes into play, but he's played so much football. That I think that experience really helps him whenever he's bumped out like that. Yeah. And, you know, when you think about that hybrid backer kind of safety position, Deshaun White is not one of the names that you would have thought would have been the guy for that position. But Brent Venable saw something in him. And I, I'm guessing it's got a lot to do with his experience. These guys played a lot of football. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one thing that that position does, you're coming on a lot of pressures. And Deshaun White, despite not being maybe not the tallest, not the fastest dude, the guy, he can bring it yep. as a blitzer. So th- there's that aspect of it and just the maturity and the football IQ aspect of it. But yeah, he keeps being brought up about how great he is, not only the way he's playing, but the, the leadership role he's stepped into as well. So I, I, I think Deshaun just dealing with him over the last couple of years in interview settings, like he seems like an awesome dude. And it it's really good to hear that he has made the progress he has made because he is, he is going to be the starter at that, whatever Sam linebacker cheetah position, like he he's the guy right now and Ted I'll give you some credit I'm guessing at some point he saw all the clips of you openly challenging him to play better football and <laughs> and it sounds like Brent Venables and Ted Roof like they they're getting the most out of him man it, it's really encouraging what what we're hearing about him yeah yeah uh I'm I'm really excited about that spot um you know, he'll be out there anytime they're in 12 personnel or in, you know, any type of two back set, he'll be that guy. Now, when you start getting into more passing sets and passing downs, 
you could see Justin Harrington in that role, which is another guy that we've just heard nonstop, uh, you know, raving about Venables was talking about him last night and how he's just, he, you, he can play a bunch of different spots. You know, he can play the safety spot and you play the nickel spot. Uh, you know, he could do all kinds of different things just because he, he has like, he's the, he's like the 21st century defensive player. Right? He could be an edge guy. He could be a linebacker. He could be a safety. He could be a nickel. He can play every position. And ultimately that's, that's what you got to have there on the back end is guys that can do a bunch of different things. And he's a name that continues to pop up and he's going to be a huge contributor this year. Yeah. And just with what we've heard, man, he, he might be one of the starting safeties right now. I, I think that, I think that right now with everything we've heard about Billy Bowman, like he's got one of those safety spots locked down, but Harrington and key Lawrence are now, now if you want to use Harrington in, you know, multiple roles, maybe key Lawrence is, is, is kind of the, the starter there at the other safety spot. But man, with everything we're hearing about Harrington, maybe he ends up being a starting safety. I don't know, man. Yeah, it's interesting because you can have – you have to think of this. They can both be starters in a sense to where they have they have a three-safety look where it's one, two, three safeties across the back, okay? they So you could have both Key Lawrence and Justin Harrington in there. Um like I said, when we go base against 12 personnel two-back look and you have Deshaun White playing the cheetah, well, then you could have um, Bowman at the strong and Justin Harrington at the free. And then you go third down or, you know, you have four wides out there. Then Deshaun White comes off the field. Justin Harrington comes down and plays the cheetah. And now Key Lawrence would be back in at free safety. So, there's a bunch of different moving parts there to where, you know, they're both still starters, but, you know, one guy may be on or off the field. Like if Harrington continues to to play the way that he has and continues to get better and better, then, you know, I, I, he's, I would guess that he's a guy that doesn't come off the field. Right. That, that Which, she just, it's funny because Venables almost didn't let him back on the team. You know, he he talked to the team about it. He, I think he told him no several times, and he kept calling him and kept asking, wrote a letter, right, all kinds of stuff to get back on the team, and finally allowed him late in spring. And he he's been uh, he's been the example of what they want, and how they want guys to carry themselves ever since. That is that's cool to hear, and I, I'm excited to see him play. I'm excited to see just Sean White play in this new role. And how about this, Ted? If you want to hear a little more about everything that goes into playing that cheetah position, you want to guess who our interview uh, on Monday is with on strengthening Oklahoma. Who's that? Deshaun white. Nice. So please subscribe to strengthening. Okay.com for that full interview. Be tomorrow afternoon, people check it out. But one one of the other things we keep that's just such a shameless plug. I don't feel bad, but it feels a little dirty. It's but, for the guys. It's for the guys. It's for the players. It's for the players. But 
I continue to hear really good things about the tackling and just where this team is at as compared to these the last couple of years in training camp, especially when they get in these scrimmage situations. Now, of course, you're going to have some missed tackles, right? That happens. But not only just guys tackling in open space individually, but just the effort that's getting more bodies around the football in the cumulative effect that is having on them as a, as a defense, when it comes to their tackling, that is, that's really encouraging to hear. And it's not something we heard a lot of, you know, a lot about coming out of training camp the last couple of seasons. Right. Well, there's a lot of things in this defense. Let me first start by saying, they tackle nonstop. And that seems like, you know, if you're just, if you're just a fan of the sport, that seems like that would be something that every single team does all the time. Well, it's not, it's, it's shocking that, you know, you don't, you just don't have a lot of live periods anymore in, in practices, even in what people call scrimmages by in training camp, a scrimmage isn't always a tackle to the ground thing. It's a it's a thud up like this is a game type game situations. We're moving the ball, but we're not dragging each other to the ground. That's not how they do it. They tackle. They tackle almost every single day in practice. So that's the one reason uh, that they've gotten better. the The next is there's a lot of things in this defense and guys that are starting to understand it and be in position, be where they're supposed to be. Like whenever you're playing really good team defense, rarely should you have to make a crazy one-on-one open field tackle where you're head up on a guy with no one around you. There should always be help somewhere. If everyone is playing within the framework of the way each given defense is designed, there's going to be built-in guys around you knowing how you fit into it schematically where you always know how to miss a guy and where to miss a guy to where the help is. So I think they're starting to get better at that, uh, that, you know, part of it. And, you know, a guy like Deshaun white that's out there in space, that's played a ton of football is kind of one of those key reasons as, as to why you're able to to play that way out there on the edges. So, yeah, I think the tackling is critical. If they just get better at tackling that improves your defense, you know, massively, massively. Yeah, the the whole tackling thing is important. And this is, I talked to someone on the offensive staff, and this was something I had thought about. I thought about talking about it on here, but I kind of felt like it would sound stupid coming out of my mouth. Hmm. But the fact that the defense is tackling so much in practice, it's making the offensive guys much better when it comes to trying to force missed tackles. Like, that is... That's something they're being challenged to do by the offensive staff. And this is also something I had a discussion about. It's also, it's really helping some of the offensive guys know when it's time to get down, man. Yeah. (laughs) When it's time to like, Hey, get down, live to play the next play, protect the football. And not only that, like there is, there is an art to falling when you're carrying the football and and they're just getting a lot more reps than they've traditionally gotten in those situations. And they just, 
they feel a lot better about their ball security because they're just being exposed to these situations significantly more than they have in the past. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, football has to be the most difficult sport to replicate lot like what it's like in an actual game compared to anything else because the intensity is cranked up so much higher than it is in in a practice so whenever you're actually doing that you're bringing each other to the ground and you're trying to fight through uh, multiple tacklers like there's a lot of things that you don't learn until it's game day and that's not a good time to learn that a guy can't hold on to the football right so now i i I think it's the best way to go about it. And I think, you know, I do think that this team is going to be way better in November than they are in September, right? They're, they're not going to be different than anyone else. But I do think they're, they are going to be physically, mentally, emotionally, everything, way more ready out of the gate for game day than they've been in the past. Yeah, I am... I'm not expecting the UTEP game to be like the Tulane game last year. Totally agree. Uh, I'm expecting a more physically ready football team. So we'll, now, hey, we don't have to wait long to find out. But right. I just, I mean, it's almost here, man. W- one last thing from the scrimmage. Everyone's seen it by now. The Jaden Gibson one-handed touchdown catch. That... Now, I, I think he's going to be a really good all-around player down the line. I, I still think he's got he's he's going to fill out his frame. He's going to be a monster. But there's no doubt that guy can be a serious red red zone threat now. And that is that's the perfect example of what it can look like. There's just there's just not another wide receiver. I, I mean, Nick Anderson kind of similar mold, but doesn't have quite the length that Gibson has got, but that guy's going to be a matchup nightmare for some people. It's crazy. I know I've said it on here before, but he's, he's six, five and he's got the link that you're talking about, but he's got so much bounce in his step. It's, he, he looks like a deer. It's the only way to put it is, you know, he, he explodes off the line of scrimmage. He's got really sharp, crisp routes. And obviously with that length and, you know, ability to go up over the top of guys, he's going to be incredibly dangerous. He, If he continues on the trajectory he's at right now, like, this kid is a absolute superstar. That's, that's what we're hoping for. So I, I saw something from Tom Van Heron and Tom Luganbill uh, from ESPN. They did a preseason true freshman All-American team and it got me thinking about the the true freshman that can make an impact this season for OU and the only OU player on that list from Van Heron and Luganbilt was Jaron Cannett and this is what they said about him quote whether it's special teams or in a hybrid safety linebacker role Cannick is too good a football player to keep out of the lineup is he the freshman that will have the biggest impact that that is where that's the question for me. I I I think there's a lot of guys that are going to they're going to get on the field. Now the red shirt rule, remember back in back in effect. Right. Right? You you only get four games. 
and then then you can't play any more than that. But offensively, you want to start offensively or defensively? Do you think Canick is do you think he's the most likely true freshman to to contribute? Because it seems like the wide receivers well, you look offensively, not, not, you've got no, not overall. No. Right. No, yeah. no, no, no. Defensively, I, I still think that I, I think you got a guy like R. Mason Thomas, who is proven to be a. I, he, I don't think he's going to be an every down guy, but pass rush downs specifically, where they need an edge guy to go beat someone to get to the quarterback, I could see him finding a role doing that right away. Gentry Williams is a corner that's extremely competitive. Um, the uh, always forget his name, 56, interior D lineman. Grayson Holton, um, he's done a really good job. I think he's going to be in maybe a regular rotation. Canick, it's going to be a little bit more difficult because it's not a position that you just go in and beat one guy. You know, those like go cover this guy, go beat this guy off the edge in a pass rush, line up in a three technique, fire off the ball, beat this guy. Like those things you can do whenever you're physically able. There is no doubt that Canick is physically able to play the linebacker position. But mentally, there's so much going on. There's so much experience that you have to have. I I just I don't want to put that on him because you know it's just it's just so difficult. I, I think that he will find a role. I think he'll be out there in special teams. I think that. You know, he's they're going to try and work him in whenever they can. But at this time, I mean, as far as the whole team, no, I would say no, he's not going to be the, the biggest impact true freshman. Yeah, I think offensively, Jaden Gibson is going to be on the field a lot. Yes. Uh, Nick Anderson, he's going to get some run. Javante yes. Barnes, right? This guy that's been banged up, but we saw what he can do in the spring. They're going to want to get him the football. I think Gavin Sawchuk. I mean, the more yeah. you hear about the guy's speed and him ripping off big runs and big returns, like he's the guy that could be on the field. Um, now, I've heard really good things about Jake Taylor, uh, Jacob Sexton, but you typically you don't want to be playing true freshman along the offensive line. And, and with some of the depth they have along the offensive line right now, that means someone went down. If those guys are on the field, most likely that doesn't mean that they're not going to be really, really good players down the line. That's just the truth. But is this the time to remind everyone where it's a good thing if you don't have a bunch of true freshmen on the field, Ted? Absolutely. It absolutely is. And I know it can be frustrating for those guys because just the, the culture of college football now is that if you don't play right away, well, then you need to go somewhere where you can, right? That and, or if you don't play right away, you suck. Right, and, and that's frustrating, and that's not the way it should be at all. I think that those guys all have uh, – all are, I, Kanek, there's no doubt in my mind that Kanek is going to be a superstar linebacker at Oklahoma. It just has to be – at the right time. You don't want to throw him out there whenever he's not ready. And right now, Aguebu and Stutzman are going to be those guys. But he's going to, as he develops and gets more experience, works his way into some of those roles, he's going to have an opportunity. 
There's no doubt. All right, for Call Your Shot, we asked you guys, who do you think will have the biggest impact of the true freshman for OU football? Uh, this first one comes from Glenn Warsaw, who says, Jaden Gibson, while Marvin Mims is the number one wide receiver, Gibson will get plenty of playing time, a nightmare matchup for opposing defenses. Uh, so I, I agree with Glenn. Now, Gibson and Mims not playing the same position. So you don't have to worry about uh, about them right. competing for playing time. But when you do, you've got those veterans, right? Theo Weiss, Jaleel Farouk, Drake Stoops, Marvin Mims. Those guys, those guys are gonna they're gonna eat up a lot of snaps. But the coaching staff is fully aware that Jaden Gibson has has a physical skill set, has some tools that just none of these other guys have, and. They're going to get him on the field, Ted. There's no doubt. He's going to be out there. He's going to make some big plays. It wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if he had a couple of touchdowns in the opener against UTEP. He he's he's going to light some people up, man. I will say, hey, Farouk sounds like Farouk had some big plays in that scrimmage, man. No, he's the skill position, especially wide receiver. They are they're absolutely loaded at wide receiver right now, loaded with guys that can make plays. So th this next one comes from Brian Widget. He says, easy to go with Javante Barnes. I expect him to do well, but I'm going with Kobe McKenzie with roof out. I expect McKenzie to make an immediate impact. Um, I, I don't, I don't see that happening. I, I think it would take, a couple of guys going down for him to to be in the mix. Um, he may be out there special teams. He's a big dude. He's he's thick. Um, I think he's a good solid football player. But right now he's he's got to work on some uh, some quickness. He's kind of heavy footed. He's got to be able to move a little bit better right now. Get some of the techniques down a little bit better. But I think eventually he's going to be a really good player. It's just, you know, he's kind of in that same role right now where they throw so much at these linebackers, it takes a little bit. And if he doesn't, again, not a bad thing. Not a bad thing if if he's not one of the guys that's contributing this year on defense. Right. And this last one comes from Scott Ford, who says, Gavin Freeman could carve out a pretty good role on special teams he also adds, but if we are counting redshirt freshmen, I'll go with Clayton Smith. Very excited to see what he can do this year. We were asking about true freshmen, but yeah, agree with the Gavin Freeman stuff. He does feel like he, a, a guy that just with how impressed the coaching staff has been with him, like they're going to want to give a guy like that opportunities. Venables talks about Gavin Freeman nonstop, nonstop. Anytime he's in front of a microphone, he brings him up. So whether it's return game, uh, as a wide receiver, he, in my mind, he will definitely play a role on the field this year. Yeah. And then as far as Clayton Smith, we'll see. It's a crowded done, edge room. Yeah. He's done better. He's done better. Uh, gained some weight, looks really impressive physically. So it wouldn't shock me. He'll definitely be a guy that's in the rotation. He'll definitely get some snaps. Yep. All right. Birthday shout outs time. Welcome to the world, Charlotte Woodall. Happy first birthday to Ellie Joe Roller. Happy fifth birthday to Oliver Kolodge. 
College? Collage. Collage. Oliver happy Collage. K-O-L-O-D-G-E. I don't know if I got it right, Oliver, but happy birthday. Happy fifth birthday to Kinsley Ray Davis. Happy ninth birthday to Henry Day. Happy 11th birthday to Abel Clark. Happy 11th birthday to Max. No last name, but Max. Happy Happy birthday, Max. 22nd birthday to Jillian White. Happy 37th birthday to Jake Kratiger. Happy 50th birthday to Bill Beanbow. Yeah, Bill. Happy 52nd birthday to Roy McElmurray. Happy 69th birthday to Kurt and Carl Sweeney. Happy anniversary to Taylor and Brindley Woodall. Congrats to Courtney Taylor on being selected to receive the Immergan Philanthropic. I'm guessing. I'm guessing I forgot the G there. Uh, I'm I'm thinking that was supposed to be emerging. Okay. Emerging Philanthropist Award. (laughs) Did I say that right? Emerging Philanthropist <laughs> Award for Courtney Taylor. Oh, Courtney. All right. I'm sure that's exactly how you wanted that to go. So I had the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. Correct. All right. Let's get to the National College Football Roundup. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Loves has over 600 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. Whatever your road trip needs are, Loves has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including, yes, my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone, so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Loves Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Loves Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Loves Travel Stops. For a full list of what Loves has to offer, visit loves.com. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, Go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com and use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. You still get a discount on all the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. With a 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis' college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join, and as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Remember, financial aid is available. All right, National College Football Roundup. A couple of quarterbacks named starters that are of significance for OU because play a couple of these teams. Got to start with this one, man. Steve Sarkeesian named Quinn Ewers Texas's starting quarterback. Well, it really wasn't Sark that named him. It was John Bianco, who is a fantastic 
SID for Texas. But I guess the way that this went down, they had some media availability with a few players. Then Bianco kind of just popped out and said, hey, I got a message from start. Yours is a starter. And that was that. That's one way to do it, Ted. It's so strange. Now, it's really weird because the night before, it was being reported everywhere that Hudson Card had won the job and was going to be named the starter. Now, that wasn't reported from anyone official, anyone from the Longhorns, I guess, people that cover the, the program. And then it comes out in this very strange manner the next day. It's so weird. I don't I don't even understand. I don't understand why you would ever name a starter that way. That seems like a weird way to do it. It is Sark avoiding confrontation or avoiding questions. Like why would they do it that way? I I was very perplexed as to why they would do it that way. Now, I don't know if it was a coincidence or not, but supposedly Texas was having a scrimmage this weekend. And there were going to be a bunch of big donors there. Now it was not open to the public or to any of the media people, but I guess there was both. There were going to be some big money people there. I, I don't know if that played a factor. I know a lot of people want to say, "Hey, this is Sark being, you know, being told what to do by Texas donors." I, I don't think that is the case, but it is a really weird way to name a starting quarterback, especially when you know how much attention this race, you know, this competition has gotten. I know you're right. It's strange. I, is this his way of trying to be like low key about it? Like, Hey, I'm going to send out the SID to tell you guys. Like, I, I don't know. It's bizarre. Well, I don't know. So Quinn Ewers put out something like the day before, like something big is coming. Right. Did you see yeah. that? And was that, that he was going to be announced the starting quarterback or was there something else that he put out afterwards? I, I never saw the end of that. Yeah. I never, I, I think a lot of people assumed it was like some type of NIL deal. Right. But and, then no announcement came, right? Yeah. I, I never really, I don't think the T's got paid off. So I'm wondering if like Sarkeesian was maybe pissed that he did that. And like in order to maybe like undercut it, be like, okay, well, we're not doing a big announcement. Here's how we're going to do it. We're just going to leak it, you know, have the, have the SID announcement. I, I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out why they would do it that way. I have no idea. It's so weird. Yeah, it is. It's strange. And I will say this. It's what we all wanted. I, I certainly know I want to see Quinn Ewers this year. Right, a guy that was the number one recruit and then did the reclassification thing, had the weird stop at Ohio State, but I want to see him play. Like, And, and that's no offense to Hudson Card, but I want to see this guy. I want to see what he's got. And just from the things I've been told, some of the things I've seen from him, there's no doubt he's got some arm talent. But we'll see if the consistency when – when it comes to the decision-making is there. And also one thing to note about him, the guy does not move particularly well. 
from what I've seen. Right. So if you end up having to start a couple of young offensive linemen there at Texas, right? A couple of true freshmen, even though they're they're really, really talented, like the Banks kid, from what I've been told, the dude could play now. Like he he absolutely can. But a a quarterback that doesn't have a ton of mobility when you're starting a couple of true freshman offensive linemen, possibly. I don't know. Just doesn't seem like a good mix, man. No, it doesn't. And I, you know, whether it's Quinn Ewers or Hudson Card, I don't really care as long as it's one of those two. Because the best quarterback that they have on their roster is Malik Murphy. I do not want to see that kid. He is he he's gonna be he's gonna be a big time player. I'm guessing he's gonna transfer after this season with Arch Manning coming in and you know if Quinn Ewers wins the job. I imagine he's going to transfer out. He's going to go somewhere and he's going to be something special. Yeah. We'll see. I've the guy's definitely got some athleticism and size, like all those things. He's got a lot of good intangibles. So yeah, who knows what ends up happening with him. So the, the Texas quarterback situation has been addressed, which takes us to the Nebraska quarterback situation because Scott Frost named Casey Thompson, the starter at Nebraska and just being honest, man, he was good before he hurt the thumb last year. I mean, he was, he was, us. he was throwing it all around the yard before he injured that thumb. And he was just, he was pretty dang solid. And I know I've got my bias, you know, with my relationship played with his brother. Like I want to see Casey do well. And, and I'm very happy for him. Right. Was it easy for him to make the decision to transfer out there and ends up winning the job? I'll be straight up. I hope he plays awesome all season long, except for week three. I I hope OU gets after him. But other than that, I want to see this kid play well. Because one thing I really like, and I think he's a good player. I think he's really talented. But I just really respect the way that he's gone about his business, right? His time at Texas, how he handled that situation last year, you know, being the starter, not being the starter, being the starter again, and you're just transferring, didn't say any dis- anything disparaging about Texas, just got to Nebraska and worked and won the job. I just, I like how he goes about his business, and I hope he plays well, Ted. I And I think he will. I'm interested to see what he does in – Whipple's offense, you know, going to throw it way more than than Nebraska's probably been used to. Uh, I'm sure that there'll still be some influence there from Frost on the running game and and everything, but uh, it's going to be interesting. You know, Venables got to see Whipple's offense last year, defended them pretty good, so we should have a pretty good understanding. But yeah, I, he's he's athletic. He's got a good arm. He's accurate. He's everything that you you want in a quarterback. So I'm with you. I hope he plays great. I it would be awesome if they won every single game except OU. Yeah. Not only, you know, because he's he's kind of he's linked to the uh the state of Oklahoma, obviously, but it's awesome to see someone that transferred away from Texas go elsewhere and have great success. Like that is that's something that we're all rooting for. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned Mark Whipple for, for those who don't know, he was the, he was the offense coordinator at Pitt last year. 
went to Nebraska, right? And there are some people wondering, can Casey Thompson make a Kenny Pickett-ish like jump under Mark Whipple there in Lincoln? We'll we'll see. I hope it happens. Just I I hope it doesn't happen in I hope it doesn't happen in week three. That's it. Well, it's going to be difficult. You know, they had like the perfect storm there. They had great quarterback, uh, best wide receiver in college football last year. Like, there was a lot of ingredients there other than just, you know, the offensive coordinator. But I think he should have a, a really good go of it. And, you know, we'll see whenever his best wide receiver gets back. Yeah. And it, it'll be interesting to see if Casey Thompson's offensive linemen make it to the season, if they've been throwing up as much as Scott <laughs> Frost says they've been throwing, what was that? And I know, I know he came out on Sunday and said, Hey, maybe I was exaggerating a little bit, but still, man, you, you don't want all of your offensive linemen like projectile vomiting every practice. What are they doing there? Uh, I don't know. I don't know, but uh, I, I guess they're getting after it pretty hard with those guys. Uh, I don't know. That sounds like a disgusting place to go practice, right? If you got Lyman puking everywhere, but I don't know. Hey, it's the Nebraska way, I guess. I don't know. I, I played for one of the most demanding men I've ever been around in Kevin Wilson. And there are a couple of times where he would kind of overtake our offensive line stuff, right? And we would, our individual, we would block each other for like 30 seconds down the field. <laughs> like it was awful. And we'd go one-on-one. We'd do this stuff and like all this stuff. I never threw up even like the most demanding practice ever. Like now I was really tired. Yeah. Like all that. Stuff. I, I don't recall ever vomiting during a training camp practice. I, and we I, were working our asses off, man. I've only thrown out or thrown up from working out one time. And that was my very first day at OU. That is it. Never again. But I, some guys do it all the time. Like every workout. I don't understand it, but Hey, I don't know. Donovan Riola getting into those boys a little bit, I guess. He is a Riola. Yeah. There, there's no doubt. That's a, he comes from a, T- comes from a tough crew. There is no doubt. I he played they, at Wisconsin, right? What are what are they doing to make these guys throw up all the time? Like I now I just want to go I to guess, a practice. I don't know. No idea. I don't know. All right, let's talk about this Big Ten media rights deal. So the deal is done. All right, seven year deal for the Big Ten conference with Fox, CBS, NBC. Now you got the Big Ten Network stuff in there as well. Also, you've got a streaming component with Peacock and the dealers reportedly worth around $8 billion. The big 10 championship game will mostly be on Fox. CBS is going to get a couple of them. NBC is going to get one as well. We've talked a lot about as this deal has come together. We've talked a lot about how impressive this deal is, but man, just seeing it on paper, Ted, job well done by Kevin Warren and the leadership there at the Big Ten. Man, they are they are going to be the richest conference in college athletics for the foreseeable future. Huge, 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 huge. Getting multiple networks involved. 
uh, streaming involved, all of that is probably the best way to make the biggest amount of money. Um, you know, and I, you know, what I think is interesting is I wonder how ESPN now covers the big 10 and I know they will, but is there going to be bias there? Cause we always feel like there's always bias with ESPN, right? I wonder now that they've been cut out of the big 10, like just how that relationship works. Do they start trying to elevate other conferences uh, in the wake of, of the big 10, you know, going away from ESPN? I don't know. I think it's fascinating. It it's it, this like really makes you feel like you've got the big 10 and the sec and it's almost like it's like two leagues. You know, I don't, I don't know where it goes from here, but fascinating. Yeah. And one of the most interesting parts about it is the way this thing is structured. The big 10, they're going to get to negotiate another deal before the sec gets to negotiate its next deal. So like they are in, they're in a really good spot, man. It's impressive. It is. Yep. They've done good. And you know, it's, it's actually, it all worked out perfectly for the big 10 because they haven't always been in as strong as a position as they are right now Uh, with Michigan, making it to the, the playoff last year, Ohio state, a big favorite this year. They've got a lot of really good things going for them at the right time. The timing is really good for them right now. Yeah, I read I read something our buddy Andy Staples wrote about the whole situation, and he said the key to all of it was timing. Yeah. And that Jim Delaney, remember, used to be the commissioner of the Big Ten. It was basically him, you know, a couple of years back saying, no, I, I know all this cord cutting's going on, but I, I think live sports is still going to be really, really important. And it kind of gambled on that with some shorter deals. And well, he was right. Live yeah. sports is still a really, really important thing. And these linear networks, the streaming services, they want to pay a premium price for this content. So yeah. And maybe so, some of that stuff's a little boring, right? There, There is going to be a lot written about how the SEC has been so dominant on the field. Right. I, I figured, is it like 13 out of the last 16 national championships or something ridiculous like that? But the Big Ten's making more money than them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's going to be, there's going to be a lot written about that, man. Yeah. And you know how it goes, but everyone wants to be the big dog and, and poke their chest out about how much money they bring in. But um, I think there's plenty to go around right now. But we talked about this before. I think one of the big winners from this deal is the Big 12. The the fact that, you know, Big 10 hit it out of the park. They're with Fox, CBS, and NBC. ESPN's going to be trying to swoop up more content. The Big 12 is, is going to be in a really good place right now. Yeah. And maybe the most significant thing out of the Big 10 announcement, they're going to use the SEC jingle for Big 10 games. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, there were some SEC fans that were like, no, this is not right. You can't do this, but it's a great jingle that CBS's college football coverage has got. And it's, it's like, not going to That's anywhere. our jingle. That's not your jingle. We created that jingle. <laughs> 
it is it is going to be weird for that to lead into a Big Ten game and not an SEC game at two thirty. That that's going to take some getting used to, man. Wild, wild. I I don't know, man. The landscape of college football has been the last three or four years have, have just been insane. And I I don't even know what the next couple of years is going to hold. Like next year's going to be wild. This year, this season's going to be crazy. Next season, I think we're going to the SEC. That's going to be crazy. Just trying to adopt to that whole thing. I just there's and I imagine sooner rather than later, there's going to be some type of new playoff format announced. Like it's crazy. It's been fun. Yeah, and it's yeah. I think we are, uh, it's about to be a wild ride over these next couple of years. And speaking of that, whether it's next season, the year after, or like it is scheduled to be the year after in 2025, OU's going to the SEC sometime, right? You think it's next year. I'm a 2024 guy if I had to bet money on it, but there are multiple reports that there's a ton of momentum for the SEC to go to nine conference games once OU and Texas make the move. They currently play eight, and a lot of be a lot of people believe it'll be nine and that the format will be three permanent opponents, and then they will rotate the other six opponents. Focusing on, you know, I know we're focused on this season for OU, but this clearly affects OU football in the future, at least it it's good to know this is what it's going to be, Ted, because it does seem like it's not a done deal, but it sounds like this is something they want to get nailed down before this season even wraps up. Yeah, and I just hope they get it right because there's there's some really easy ways to get this right to where you can rotate through the whole conference really quickly it evens out the, you know, some schedules are going to be more difficult than others on given years. I get that, but over a four year span, it should all even out and you should play absolutely everyone in the conference home and away. Hopefully that's how they do it. Yeah. Just, just going a few months back and we definitely talked about it on here, but Ross Dellinger from, from sports illustrated, who is very dialed in when it comes to the sec, he floated out OU's permanent opponents being Texas Missouri and Florida sign me up for that I'll take I it. like it I like it the Missouri one doesn't necessarily do much for me but Texas and Florida fantastic yeah I guess Arkansas I think a lot of people would uh would enjoy Arkansas a little more than Missouri but I'll say this Arkansas is better than Missouri right now so like <laughs> right. I wouldn't mind wouldn't mind starting with Mizzou just saying right right Right. Let's let's uh let's try and get into this thing, get off to a good fast start, you know? Absolutely. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. But first it's time to get back out on the golf course, people, and there's nothing better to drink on the course than the number one seltzer in golf, Clubby Seltzers. Clubby Seltzers is an Oklahoma company that is already winning national awards because their product is delicious. It tastes exactly like a club special. But it's a seltzer. They're not just for the golf course either. They're perfect to drink by the pool, after mowing the lawn, whatever. If you haven't tried Clubby Seltzers yet, go grab some. You won't regret it. The variety pack is out. To find a place near you that has Clubby's, visit clubbyseltzers.com. 
And attention, business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing and order on a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. Are you looking to buy or sell a house in the OKC metro area? Use the Ronaldo Cloud Group. Stacia Ronaldo and Maddie Cloud are with Sage Sotheby's International Realty. They believe in prompt communication, an honest relationship, and luxury service. And that's exactly what they gave Gabe. They sold a house for Gabe. They found a house for Gabe's brother. They found a house for Lane Johnson. We can't recommend them enough. If you... You can reach them by calling or texting Stacia at 918-671-6450, or you can contact them on Instagram at at sold by Stacia and at sold by Maddie underscore. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? I'm linebacker heavy. Uh, I thought about going with Brian Osamoa with the Minnesota Vikings. Dude is balling right now. I've been watching some of his highlights and stuff. Not a shock at all. Uh, we talked about him, and, and I, I've I've felt for a while that he's a guy that may be a better NFL player than he was a college player, and that's looking really good for him right now. He is making some serious, serious plays for Minnesota, doing a really good job. But I ended up going with the Chicago Bears. They're going to get Roquan Smith at least for this year. He's he uh, was demanding a trade early in August. Uh, he's been doing the, what is it, the hold-in, where he's he's there at the facility but not practicing. Decided to finally get out there and practice. Um, I think he makes like $9.5 on this final year of his contract. He's not happy, but he's going to go out there and play, and you're going to get a pissed off trying to make some money, Roquan Smith. For one season, take advantage of it for one season. Um, he's gone after that, but at least you're going to get him for one year. Yeah. I, have you watched much of the Bears preseason? I have not. Justin Fields is going to be in some trouble, man. Oh, no. They can't block? I just, it doesn't doesn't look like he's got a ton of weapons around him from what I can gather. It just, it's not looking good. And now what it I know we talked about it, but Rokon Smith is arguably, and I think he is, the best player on their football team. And They're he's gonna be looking Dunning. out. He's gonna be looking out for one thing this year, and that's <laughs> Roquan Smith. That's right. So we'll uh we'll see how it goes. But I am I'm a big vibes guy, Ted. Not a huge fan of the vibes for the Chicago Bears heading into the season. No, it does not seem good. The vibes for next season are even worse because they're going to be without their best player. Yeah. He, I, I could just see Ryan Pace being like, hey, Rokon is no big deal. Let's go back to the 
Let's go back to the negotiating table and him be like, no, I'm going to ball out and I'm out of here. Yeah. I, I can't imagine that. Like whenever you piss someone off that bad, I, it probably at that point isn't going to matter what you throw out there. He's he's going to be gone. So mm, brutal. Yeah. And the I think the Bears have won both of their preseason games. And I've watched a big chunk of a couple of them. And it was one of those things where I was like, this isn't this is I, I don't I do not like the way it looks offensively. That's that's how I'll put it. Yeah. Well that's gonna be tough because uh you're gonna have to have some offense to win it in that division uh right now. Packers offense gonna be good. I don't know. It's not looking good for the Bears. But at least we get to watch Oquan Smith. Yeah. One year. One, one year. year. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the weekend? I thought about going with Fox. You know, I think Urban Meyer does a fine job, but isn't he one of the most disliked people in all of football right now? He he certainly did not enhance his reputation with everything that happened in Jacksonville. Is is there really nobody else? I'm j- I just don't understand, and I I really don't care. I'm not going to watch much of that. I you know it's it's never really been my thing. We're, we're pretty busy watching, on Saturdays, right? I liked watching what Coach Stoops was on, but it just seems like there's got to be some other options out there. Okay. So I, I hear what you're saying, but there's also the reality of the situation is he's one of the best college football coaches ever. It's true. And you know, like there's, there's no one else, right. That because Bob did it, he doesn't want to do it anymore. Really? And Nick Saban's still coaching. Dabo's still coaching. There's there's no one else that is on Urban Urban Meyer's level that is available. Yeah. Or that wants to do it. And but do you have to have someone like that? Isn't I, it better to just have someone that's people engaging like. and people like than it is? Like I know you you definitely want to have someone that's that's got credibility but there, no one on ESPN game day's got any credibility none of them yeah I mean it, it's not like you know some of those guys are really good players right. others not so much but it is I and I'll admit it like I've watched quite a bit of the big noon kickoff stuff I watched a lot of game day I've watched a lot of both of them and Urban Meyer's good on there yeah. he's good he is and, pretty, and from what I saw he was good at it I I just but I hear like, what you're saying, but it's also like I, I feel like Vo- Fox views it like, hey, the Jacksonville stuff never happened. Yeah, we we like, we we've got college Urban Meyer, not NFL Urban Meyer. I feel like that's how they're viewing it. And you know, it probably will go over just like everything else. Like at first, there's going to be like, oh my god, Urban Meyer, really? And then three weeks in, no one even remembers, and you're just you know, on you go. Yeah, I I don't know, I don't know how much he moves the needle. Like, will people choose to watch Big Noon kickoff over game day because of Urban Meyer? I I don't know. But 
he's he's he was a really good college football coach, great college football coach, and he's pretty good at his role on that show. So I well, like I get it. Their ratings are going to go way up, and it's not going to be because of Urban Meyer. It's going to be the split from ESPN. Like uh, the coverage at on ESPN Game Day and Fox Big Noon is just going to be like this now. You know, I mean, you're going to have to talk about some of the big games, but they're going to they're going to focus way more on Big Ten, and ESPN Game Day is going to focus way more on ESPN covered games. Would be my guess. Yeah. We'll see that that is going to be interesting to see that how that whole thing works out. But yeah, Urban Meyer's back. That's fine. Well, I ended up settling on Matt Corral and I hated it for him. Looks like the season's dumb. Liz Frank injury and um, uh, brutal for him. Athletic guy. He suffered some injury stuff here over the last uh, last year or so. And uh, that's just. You know, whenever you play the way that he does, you're gonna you're gonna pile up some injuries, and you know I don't know if that's something that is hung over a little bit from the ankle stuff or not, but hated to see that go down for uh for Matt Corral. Yeah, it was, and it was, it was, it just kind of fell, kind of weird. Foot got caught. It, it didn't. It wasn't like some violent hit or anything. That's what made it made it even more strange. Yeah. Well. Frustrating for him. I know that uh, that used to be a a horrible injury to have, but they've gotten so much better at it now that if, if you go the surgery route, you can make your way back fairly quickly. Yeah, I know that you and uh, the Liz Frank injury have intimate history. Yeah, Hollywood came back pretty quick from it, though. Like he played in the well, he, he did he play in the bowl game or? Uh, Whenever, because he heard it, he heard it at the West Virginia game his senior year, and then like he was ready to go, like at the combine and everything. I think wasn't he? Yeah, I think so. Well, he was definitely back pretty quick, but I think Matt Corral will uh, will be just fine. Yeah, we'll see. That uh, seems like Baker's the guy for Carolina, right? Yeah, that's everything that I've seen, and. Like people have been hinting at that for a while now, but um, not a shock, not a shock. And I think Baker's going to go in and have a really good year. I do. Yeah, I hope so. Be fun. It's yep. the NFL's more fun when that guy's on the field. It's just the truth. Absolutely. All right, let's get to my winner and loser. But first, First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. And if you're a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. You got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. 
Also, you got to snag some of Balcony's Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcony's Pot Still Bourbon. Its big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. Remember in 2012, Balcony's Single Malt won the best-in-glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcony's products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit balconiesdistilling.com. All right, for my winner of the weekend, thought about going with Albert Pujols. This is this is getting kind of fun. Up to 692 home runs after a two-dinger day on Saturday. Uh, going to be fun to see if he can get to 700, Ted. Yeah, he's on a tear. What's happened here? Is everyone just serving him up meatballs now? What's going now, on? I've I've seen some theories. Uh, one of the theories is that pitchers are just serving him up meatballs because they like the guy. The other is that Major League Baseball is letting him take copious amounts <laughs> of banned substances so that he feels good. Those he's, are the two internet theories I've seen. He's close enough to retirement where they're not testing him. He's just, it's like whatever happens, happens at this point. That's, that is one of the theories out there, but yeah, no, it's fun though. I, I know we're watching the Aaron judge home run thing as well, but getting watching boo holes, just apparently find the fountain of youth. It, it's kind of fun. I'm, I'm excited to see if he can get there. 700s. Uh, that's a crazy number. Very few. What is there? three guys in the 700 club four, yeah. yeah. And he's got, he's got like 40 something regular season games to go. And that, I don't know how many of those they're going to rest him for. Cause he is old, but right. I don't know. It'd be fun to see. Better make that strong push to get to get to 700. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I, I also thought, and I'm not a big MMA guy. I, I'm not, I don't watch a ton of UFC, but I, I saw the Edwards Usman fight and Wow. I mean, when you're you're absolutely if you're if you're Leon Edwards, you are absolutely losing that fight. And to get Usman in the last minute of the last round to knock him out with the with the kick, it was stunning. I mean, absolutely stunning. And all the reaction videos, I don't know if you've seen the one of Cormier and Rogan. It's incredible. It's, it's <laughs> incredible. But that was you know, I was kind of just ho-hum watching it on my phone, and I was like, wait, what? What?" And everyone oh. just went, everyone went insane. It was pretty, it was one of those moments where you're like, man, that's what, that's what makes MMA a crazy sport. It's like the guy dominated pretty much everything but that first round and then gets kicked in the head and put to sleep. It's just like, it's nuts. Brutal, brutal stuff. Um, but you're right, like, that's what makes that sport exciting is because it just takes one man a little bit different. I mean, boxing is that way to a certain degree, but you kind of feel like, you know, what type of fight you're getting into in boxing right out of the gate, but UFC, it just takes one, uh, a kick, you know, with the small gloves, catch someone in the right spot. You're always just one away. So now you're right. Yeah. I'm sure we'll get an Edwards Usman round three. Um, I or I hope so because it was it was pretty entertaining. Uh, I mean, what a finish! But my winner of the weekend, and this one is personal, Ted, because I was there in person in Huntington, West Virginia, to witness it. 
my winner of the weekend is one of my wife's best friends, Alex Bennett. <laughs> and so I, for those of you that don't know, I went to Barstool Sports' Rough and Rowdy in Huntington, West Virginia. Uh, one of my wife's best friends, uh, a, a girl that was uh, a, a bridesmaid in our wedding. Uh, she actually lived at our house back in 2015. Like she lived with us for an entire year. So a very, very close friend was boxing in rough and rowdy. And she's the first barstool sports female employee to ever box in it. And she whooped her opponent's ass. That's I saw some of the, uh, I checked, I tried to check out some of the highlights and stuff. And I saw some of that was, that was pretty cool. That was funny. She, <laughs> she was talking trash out there, spitting out the mouthpiece. Oh, she was in her element. That was awesome. She, she was probably just repeating the stuff because we had seats right next to the ring. Like, and when she was boxing, were you in a black shirt, black t shirt? I was, we were sitting right behind the announcers. I was wearing an okay. OU shirt, just a red OU shirt. And it was when she was in the ring, like we basically were almost in the ring. We were yelling <laughs> and she was probably just repeating all the stuff we were yelling. Like it was, it was really fun, but I'm extremely proud of her because she had never boxed. She trained her ass off these last couple months. And it was, she was fighting some girl that was from Huntington, West Virginia. Didn't know much about her. She's a little stout. I was like, Oh boy, but use the link. And just whooped her. I mean, just pounded her into submission. And it was it was one of the most exhilarating sporting events and experiences I've ever had. It like I walked out of there like on an absolute adrenaline high. It was fantastic. It's that's so cool. And uh, my hat's off. There is that that is like the that's the ultimate challenge right there to put yourself on the line in something you've never done before with the risk of getting your ass knocked out and physically embarrassed in front of not just like your friends and people at a bar, but the entire world like that takes guts. So to be able to go out there and do that, just, just saying yes and stepping into the ring is hard enough, but to go get the W, that's awesome, man. Unanimous decision. Wasn't even close. She she even kind of put the girl in a headlock a couple of times and just ragdolled her. It was awesome. <laughs> but incredibly she's got to go defend the title now. Yeah, that's the only issue. <laughs> so we were we were kind of like, I don't know if backstage is the right way to put it, but afterwards we were backstage and, and Big Cat, the guy that does pardon my take, which is like the number one sports podcast in the world. First thing he walks up to, he's like, she was incredible. The only bad thing is like, now she's got to fight again. <laughs> right. And I was just like, Oh no, don't make it do Don't make her do it again, man. But I hope, I hope she doesn't do it again, but if she does probably be there again, man, it was exhilarating. That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah. But also there were like 20 bouts. Is that the word for boxing? Yeah. Bouts. Three one-minute rounds. It just, just went, through man. That's good. It was really fun. That's good. That that seems like a fun event. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, but for my loser of the weekend, thought about going with Will Zalatoris. I 
whenever you're withdrawn with back pain, I don't like it, Ted. And he had to withdraw from the BMW Championship. Remember, he's a top. The FedEx Cup standings. Who ended up winning that? Cantlay, I think, ended up winning. Cantlay was up, yeah. Yeah, and he was. But Zalatoris is he's at the top of the FedEx Cup standings and was in pretty solid position at the BMW, but he must have oh. thrown his back out last week whenever he was uh calling everyone out for talking shit all those years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are they gonna say now? <laughs> now they're gonna start talking about your back, man. And right. this is a couple things. Now he's had to withdraw with back issues over these last couple of years, but I, I'm hoping he was just being overly cautious uh for that tour championship at East Lake coming up where what is it? The top 30 guys going at it. Winner takes home 18 mil, but Zalatoris only 26 years old. He's too young to be having back issues. What is he doing? He's too young and too small to be having back issues. Do you think maybe that's the issue? Like he needs to add a little, add a little girth, a little mass. So, because the one thing and not to get too scientific about it, but like the amount of energy and force your body absorbs when you're swinging a golf club, the way that he swings one, like, you need to have a little something for that energy to be absorbed. And if it's all being absorbed in his spine, that yeah. is that that's an issue. A lot of torque there. A lot of torque for a, uh, for a thin little man. Yeah. I also thought about going with basketball fans in Seattle. Did you see the, uh, the crossover pro am? I didn't see any of it, but I saw that, it was such a big deal going into the weekend that LeBron was going to go do it. And everyone was uh, all excited about it. Yeah. The crowd was insane. They probably could have used a little more, a little more security, but it was LeBron, Jason Tatum, uh, Chet Holmgren, who, by the way, tweaked his ankle in it. Awesome. Paolo Bancaro, DeJounte Murray, Aaron Gordon. Like there were a lot of guys playing in it. And there were too many people in the gym. It got too humid in there to where the court was just like covered in moisture and they called oh it off God. in the second quarter. Oh, that's brutal. That's brutal. Yeah. Was it one of those where like people are like just hovering right around the court? Everyone's just like, itching oh, it was out just, there. It, they were packed in there like sardines, man. And oh, crazy. it was cool. And I was like, oh, that's a really cool opportunities for these people. And then it got called off. And I was like, hey, it's Seattle. That's funny. <laughs> oh, that's great. But my loser of the weekend, Tom Brady. And listen, guy is undoubtedly winning at life. There, there's no doubt about that. But a bit of a weird stretch here for Tom Brady. Remember, left Bucks training camp. And I know Todd Bowles said on Sunday that he he's going to be back soon. But this is a guy that has a reputation for just being unbelievable when it comes to preparing for a season. And he just kind of disappeared for two weeks for personal reasons. And then you look at the offensive line problems they're having, right? Jensen, Ryan Jensen, their center, who is a stud is out indefinitely with that knee injury. He suffered early in camp, Aaron Stenny, a guy that, was kind of battling to be a starting guard for them. Just tore his ACL and MCL this week. Uh, Tristan worse has missed some time and I'm not worried about him, but he, everyone's saying an oblique strain. 
Mike Evans, when you start talking about his weapons, Mike Evans dealing with a hammy, Godwin coming back from the ACL. Like, I don't know, man. What, uh, what's going on with Tom Brady? And then it doesn't look like the rest of the guys on his offense are holding up, man. I don't know. Now, some people have theorized that hasn't his mom had some health issues in the past. You, you know, it's gotta be something. And I, I saw some people (laughs) there is, and I'm not laughing at the fact that his mom may be sick, but there are some people that were flown out that he had to leave training camp because he's on the masked singer that show. I don't even know what channel it's on, but have you, do you remember that show? Yeah. My wife and son watch it there. No way. Yeah. I was like, but there, that was literally some people were floating that out there, but it's gotta be, it's gotta be something really serious for, for Tom Brady, just with everything I've ever known and been told about it from guys that are playing with him, like it's gotta be really, really serious. Right. Yeah. That's what I would think. But I, I guess you just, you just never know what it is. You know, he, he announced his retirement and then came back and it's been, it's, it's been like the only time ever with Tom Brady that you haven't felt like he's been fully committed to it the whole time, you know, and I don't know. It's just been a, just been a really strange off season for him. And the thing that I really worry about is at his age, if he's not totally ready, totally in football shape, totally prepared for the season, uh, I don't want him to have some type of really bad injury and have have his career end like that. Right. Yeah, especially you know they got they got offensive line questions now, and he's never been a guy that's been known for his mobility, no. although he does move in the pocket really well, but. So you had all that, and then did you see what Data White said yeah. on the Gronk Brothers broadcasting? Yeah, pretty, uh, pretty interesting little nugget there that Data White dropped. Yeah, so I guess Data White and just the way that Gronk reacted to it, it it seems like it was true. See, I just read about it. I didn't, I didn't hear what Gronk. What did Gronk say whenever he he? He just came out and said that Gronk basically had this look on this face. Like, Oh my God, you said it. Okay. We're talking about this. And yeah. So if you, you didn't said it on me. It, so if you didn't see it, the Gronkowski brothers had like an alternate uh, UFC broadcast thing. And uh, Dana White told the story that he had basically been behind this deal to bring Gronk and Tom Brady to the Raiders and that John Gruden killed it at the last minute. So now this has resurrected the clip of Brady saying, oh, you're going to keep that MFR instead of me. Like, so now everyone is talking about that. And was he talking about Derek Carr? And all the, there's just a lot going on for Tom Brady right now. There's a lot. That's crazy, though. Um, yeah, that's wild. Gruden shut it down. I. Uh, that's wild. It's probably a good thing, though, for Gronk. I don't know. Gronk in Vegas just, I, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. That would have gone well. Yeah, but it, it appears that everyone was getting Tom Brady in 2020. Yeah. Right? We, we've heard like 10 stories now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I guess uh, I guess you can't suspend Dana White for um, tampering, can you? He's not in the NFL. No. He's like. <laughs> 
Is he just trying to help Gruden out? He's like, look at this good thing Gruden did. That's crazy. I'm just kidding. All right. Episode 242 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop. I'm thinking Wednesday. We can record early Wednesday. We'll we'll work that out. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 2 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time